From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Welcome to Women at Work and our weekly conversation about how we can inspire more women to join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics. Be sure to follow the show on the channel's Twitter handle, at SXM Business, and find me on LinkedIn. The first half of the show, my guest is Maggie McGrath, the senior editor of Forbes Women. So let's jump right in. Maggie McGrath, the senior editor of Forbes Women, is my first guest today. And she's going to tell us all about the 2023 Forbes 3050 Summit. It was held appropriately on International Women's Day and convened legendary leaders, bold young entrepreneurs and icons of female success in the UAE capital of Abu Dhabi to share ideas for disrupting traditional spaces, innovating for the future, and harnessing the full power and potential of women worldwide. Maggie, I am so excited to have you join us today. Thank you so much. The pleasure is mine. I need to share a little bit more about you, and then we're going to jump right in. So Maggie's not just the senior editor of Forbes Women, Forbes Vertical, dedicated to female entrepreneurship. She's the author of the Forbes Women newsletter. She loves a good list. She's the editor of the 50 Over 50, the world's 100 most powerful women, and previously edited the 30 Under 30 food and drink list and the Just 100. She's worked at Forbes since 2013, and that time has written on everything from the student debt crisis to triple crown contending and winning horses. And it's no wonder she's so smart and diverse. She's a proud Penn alumna. So welcome back. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a thrill to see Locust Walk behind you. <laughs> so Maggie, tell me about Forbes Women, and especially for people not familiar with it. Um, what's its purpose, its mission? How can people find it? People can go to Forbes.com slash Forbes Women. And it is the site and the part of our vertical. It is a part of Forbes.com. I want to make that very clear. It is where you can find all the stories about female entrepreneurs, innovators, change makers. It is important to cover entrepreneurs of all genders at Forbes. We believe in entrepreneurial capitalism, but we see the equity issues that exist in business and in corporate America. And this is the part of Forbes where you can come to read all about those issues and the people addressing them. So I'd like to believe that as a Penn alumna who clearly has solid writing skills, you could wind up in a number of places. How did you land at Forbes? Through another Penn alumna, actually. <laughs> I My first job out of Penn was working for Jean Chatsky. She was the Today Show financial editor at the time. And I went through all the Penn writing courses. And I kind of thought at the time that if I could do financial writing, I could do anything. I was not a math major. <laughs> Let's make that clear. And personal finance with Jean became personal finance at Forbes. My first job was covering the student debt crisis. And I was sat on the market's desk covering breaking market news. And I gravitated towards stories about women. I ended up interviewing a lot of women. One of a, a story that I love that I wrote before I became the Forbes Women Editor was about a whiskey company that had a female master of maturation and a master distiller, which you don't see in the whiskey world all that much. So I think I'm drawn to stories of people who are breaking barriers and creating change. Well, speaking of which, you assembled quite a few of them in Abu Dhabi. So tell me, what was the inspiration for the 3050 Summit? So Forbes has, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, the 30 under 30, our list of young change makers, entrepreneurs who are changing the world before they've even had their first gray hair. But there are also people defying age expectations on the other end of the spectrum. So our chief content officer, Randall Lane, 
was talking with Mika Brzezinski. She's the founder of Know Your Value, a co-host of Morning Joe on MSNBC. And together, they kind of figured out that we needed a 50 over 50, women over 50 who are stepping into their power. But then we have these two communities who can learn so much about each other because on the younger side, you have ageism. I've heard from a lot of our younger entrepreneurs that people will say like, why are you in the room? You're too young. Aisha Curry kind of talked about this on stage at Abu Dhabi. She was one of one of the leaders that we had. And so these are people who feel like they need to create their own playing field in the 30 under 30. But we see the same themes in the 50 over 50, the women who are making opportunities for themselves. So Randall and Mika and the powers that be at Forbes got together and realized how great would it be if we brought these two powerful communities, the women of the 30 under 30 and the women of the 50 over 50 together at the crossroads of the world in the Middle East. We wanted to make it global. So we had speakers from all across Europe. We had uh, attendees from 50 different countries. That's People extraordinary. Got on, it's extraordinary. People got on planes in Nigeria and Brazil and Singapore and beyond and came to Abu Dhabi for this event. And I'm just I'm so honored. Like when I look at the list of who spoke and that who you got to interview, it's like when people ask, what's your fantasy dinner party? This is my fantasy dinner party. Tell me about the content of some of this dialogue. They were communicating how to use their power. First Lady Zelenska talked about how first ladies are seen as soft power, but she had assembled, and this was before the Russian invasion, the unprovoked Russian invasion of Ukraine. She had assembled a coalition of first ladies and first gentlemen to help kind of create change across regions, again, before the war. She said they were some of the first people to come to Ukraine's aid, helped get uh, children cancer patients out of Ukraine and into other countries in the EU for treatment. So she kind of said, yes, we're soft power, but it's a lot more than soft power. We're a real force. So you had comments like that into Gloria Steinem talking about the power of men acknowledging their ability to be caretakers. And only will we achieve true equality when men can recognize the nurturing side of themselves and show women men can be nurturing and, and women can be achieving go-getters. You actually got the chance to talk with Secretary Clinton about the fight to protect reproductive rights. Um, one, I'd love to know, how did you prepare for it and where did you go in the conversation? I texted all my girlfriends, what would you ask if you <laughs> had a chance to interview Secretary Clinton? We've been fortunate to work with Huma Abedin on the summit. She was the vice chair. So I did pick her brain. What does Secretary Clinton like to talk about? And then I talked with my own team about how to prioritize. Uh, the political junkies in the group wanted to know if Hillary would wa would run in 2024 <laughs> if Biden does not. I was more interested in talking about the fall of Roe. I think it's not I think it's the biggest rollback in women's rights that we have seen since I've been alive. And I feel that it has fallen from the headlines in some cases. You still see the state by state um, attempts mm -hmm. to roll back rights and the fight is not over. And that was Secretary Clinton's message. She pointed to a number of different um, legislation a proposed legislation that, that are on the books. And her message again and again was just don't take what you have for granted. And if you think that Dobbs was the end, it's not. They're going to keep trying to claw back women's ability to control our reproductive futures. And it always sounds extreme if you talk about contraception, but if you talk to people in the women's space, you know, we're girding for a fight there. So to hear her say, 
you have to keep fighting, but you have to be optimistic. You know, one of the last things I asked her was, are you optimistic? And she quoted her late great friend, Madeline Albright, who said, I'm an optimist who worries a lot. <laughs> and I think I might be stealing that because elsewhere in the conference, we talked about the power of hope. And Nazanin Boniandi is an actress and an activist, and she's Iranian by um, by background. And so she's been deeply involved in the fight for women's rights and, and human rights, really, in Iran. And she said something really interesting about she focuses on her love for the disenfranchised more than she focuses on her hate for the despots and the dictators. And obviously, she can't stand the oppressors, but it's the focus on the people who need the change that keeps her going. And I think I saw that I heard that message implicitly in some of what Secretary Clinton was saying as well. My guest today is Maggie McGrath. She's the senior editor of Forbes Women, the Forbes vertical dedicated to covering all angles of female entrepreneurship and the author of the Forbes Women newsletter. So Maggie, going back to the discussion with Secretary Clinton um, and that, you know, important, difficult notion that rights just continue to be taken away purposefully. Um, And understandably, an essential conversation about Dobbs and what's happening in this country. But this was an international conference with women from all over the world who are facing this in very different political environments. How did the U.S. experience resonate with that audience? What were the other tentacles of that conversation like? Dobbs' conversation ended up being a little more American-focused because it does, jurisdiction by jurisdiction, it's so different across the world. Where we see commonality in rollbacks of rights, or if not rollbacks, a real stalling yes. <laughs> um, or stalemate, I think is the word that Billie Jean King used, is pay equity. There have been a number of studies that have been released over the last month, that, sh- and it depends which one you look at. If you look at cents earned on the dollar, There was a study at the beginning of the month that showed we're at 82 cents, and that's flat over the last 20 years. Right before we had this event, I think the day before our our main day of programming, the UN released numbers that said it would be another 250 years before globally women can achieve pay parity. So there were a lot of conversations that looked at that and that talked about the power of the dollar and how can, whether you're an Emirati race car driver or a European marketing founder, how do you get those dollars? How do you embrace the power of the dollar, really? So it comes back to the money. Follow the money. <laughs> and in, in ta- speaking of money, entrepreneurship around the globe also looks very different. Um, how were you, what were you seeing or hearing in terms of the needs of women entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs trying to serve women's needs? Kind of the same at this level, right? They A lot of them have broken through with venture funding. A lot of them have an audience. It's then getting to the next step. It's how do I grow my customer base? How do I get more venture funding? Or how do I do more with less in an environment such as the one we're in that's tough economic times? How do you bear down. But that's also, that gets to the mentorship part of this event. There was a lot of great onstage conversation that talked about a lot of these issues on a high level, but then we intentionally leave the second day of the summit open and encourage people to have one-on-one meetings with other attendees. Because what I often like to say, and this isn't a line, it is true, (laughs) the attendees are as impressive as the people on stage, and we want them all to know each other. So last year, we, after the event, we saw that people had invested in each other's companies. Someone hired someone else that she had met at the summit. So there's problem solving 
solving that happens, if not in real time, in real time, and then in the days and weeks and months following 3050. It's such a testimony to the community and the structure. You know, networking is the holy grail of every conference, and it's often fruitless. But it sounds like you've cracked the code on how to do it well, not to mention with this kind of ripple effect of impact that you're going to have because of who was in the audience. We, we hope so. I mean, two of my speakers, I shouldn't say my, our speakers, but I, I moderated this panel between Dina Radinkovic. She's on the 30 under 30 list. She founded a fertility company, Gamito. She wants to shorten the window that women need to receive fertility treatments because right now, if you freeze your eggs, it takes several weeks. It's very expensive. By using her scientific method, which she's undergoing all the appropriate regulatory approvals, she hopes to shorten that window and make it cheaper and therefore more accessible. She was on stage with Susan Towsey, the chief commercial officer of Illumina, which does a great deal of genetic testing and has really helped a number of different patient populations, but including children who are just born, get access to testing that can then predict it, the mm -hmm. diseases that they might need treatment for. The two of them on stage alluded to potentially working together in the future. And I'm just, I'm crossing <laughs> my fingers. I would love to see it. It's so funny to watch it happen from the main stage. So this was quite an assemblage of people from around the world. Um, and it was, an, I'm not surprised to see that Alina Zelenska had a role to play there and that um, what's going on in Ukraine was front and center. Um, what were the primary... Um, what was the angle that this group was addressing there to really leverage their impact? What group for Ukraine or So for... in other words, at the conference, how with all the complexities around Ukraine and Ukraine's children, how did you approach that on the conference stage and then following up? Oh, I think we acknowledge the complexities of the global moment, but a lot of what we were interested to hear from First Lady Zelenska, and I had the opportunity to sit down with her one-on-one, -on -one, I wanted to know what do you want the world to know about Ukraine's women and girls? I, we, we touched on this on stage in other panels too. We see that war and climate change and even the earthquake in Syria and Turkey have a disproportionate effect on women. In the case of the earthquake, I spoke to a Turkish entrepreneur who said, women are going to refugee camps. The camps don't have doors, it's tents. So women are more susceptible to being attacked. So that's just one example. But when you have war, famine, and crisis disproportionately affecting women, it creates a lot of different through lines of conversation that we explored. For First Lady Zelenska, I wanted to know what's your message to the world? What should we know about how the war is affecting women and children? So we, we talked about that, and uh, she addressed that both with me and on stage with Secretary Clinton. So, Maggie, thank you so much for joining me today and for the amazing work that you're doing. It oh, really does you. make a difference. Where can our listeners go to keep up with you and everything you're working on? Well, Forbes.com primarily. It's Forbes.com slash Forbes Women. Um, or you can search Maggie McGrath. And I am on Twitter and Instagram. I am at McGrathMag on both of those platforms. Maggie, thanks so much for joining us. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.